Welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. I am pumped today. Not only am I talking with an amazing physician coach, she's also one of my online BFFs. This is Dr. Devin Gimble, and I'm your host, Dr. Freaking Aaron Wiseman. Hopefully you already know that, but if not, I'll introduce myself. Anyway, we have probably one of my most favorite conversations that I've had in months. One, because I'm just a girl fan over here, but two, talking about the rules inside of our heads, how we can change them, how we can shift out of old ones and bring in new ones. Mm, It's so good. The conversation was actually so amazing that we kept talking and that second conversation is in the Patreon group. So if you love this, you need to get your booty over the Patreon group so you can get even more. Okay. No more talking. Let's get into it. Here we go. Hey, welcome to the podcast. My friend, my three Peter on here, Dr. Devin Gumble. It is so great to have you. Hey, Aaron, as always, it's amazing to talk to you. I love seeing your lovely face. Well, guys, we've been seriously talking at least 10 minutes before we got on this podcast (laughs) recording. So I needed to go ahead and push record. But Devin, tell the people who haven't heard previous episodes from you a little bit about yourself and the magic you're bringing in the world. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Devin Gimble, and I am a double board certified physician. I'm board certified both in anatomic pathology as well as dermatopathology. And for a number of years after fellowship, I practiced full-time dermatopathology in a really high volume private practice in the Chicago suburbs. And actually recently, as of about 15 months ago, transitioned out of clinical medicine and into full-time coaching of women physicians. So I have my own coaching practice where I work one-on-one with women physicians on all sorts of things. But something I work on every single one of them with is exactly what you and I are going to be talking about today, which is the word that I chose for our episode. Yeah, I love it. And so Devin and I, we go way back. Yeah. Like way back. Like I was still practicing a whole bunch. You were still practicing full time, but I, I think we met through Facebook maybe. Anyway, we connected and you weren't too far from me here in Southern Indiana and I'm just so glad to have you in my life, friend, and just to like walk with you through all of these transitions and like throw up the middle fingers to the institution <laughs> and be like, we're doing it our way. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I think it's so amazing to be able to connect with people whose stories you can really relate to and whose stories, you know, resonate with you. And we haven't had the pleasure of meeting in person yet at this rate. Who knows when that will be? But thank goodness for the beauty of the internet and Zoom. So, We've been able to connect a number of times, you know, and I think having each other, you know, just resources and a support system is so amazing to be able to see, again, that you're not alone when things are hard or when you decide that you want to take a break from medicine or you want to do something that maybe isn't, you know, conforming to sort of the rules of what we're supposed to be doing, you know, as physicians or professionals. I think it's so helpful to have a community, you know, around you to connect with. And you certainly have been part of my community. So I'm so grateful for you. Well, I appreciate that. I'm I'm glad I've been part of your community and that you've been part of mine because podcast friends are real friends. <laughs> Everybody out there who listens to me on a weekly basis, I want to tell you, like, seriously, it's not limited to like in person going having coffee to go. Like, I feel so connected to you. I feel so connected to so many other people. And yet 
I don't even know how tall you are because we always see each other sitting down. For the record, I'm five foot seven. So (laughs) me too. So we can look at each other eye to eye. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, awesome. Well, we had started having a conversation before we got into the recording and I would love to continue that going. And it's all about your word today, which is rules. Yeah. I think it's really important that even if we don't recognize it, we do set up rules in our head. Yeah. And I think too, the thing that I've actually been reflecting on a lot lately is not only all the rules that we set up in our heads, but also, you know, as women, as physicians, I think we are offered so many different messages from the time we we're very, very little, certainly through adolescence, adulthood, and our medical training. We're offered so many messages about how we should be or how we should behave in order to be liked or in order to be successful or, you know, in order to be taken seriously. And I think what I have seen so much, certainly reflecting on my own journey sort of into and out of medicine and and now with all of the women, you know, physicians that I work with in coaching, I think really understanding and being able to uncover so many of these subconscious rules and being able to identify exactly how they're playing out in our lives is so fundamentally important because I think the root of so much of kind of our displeasure or discontent as we get older is really not understanding that we continue to follow so many rules that no longer serve us. And until we know what those are and what to do about them, or we're willing to question or break them, we kind of get ourselves stuck in these perpetual cycles of just not really living truly as happily or as fully as we can. And I I think that that's incredibly sad, especially for those of us who have dedicated so much of our lives and education to helping others. Sort of the last thing we're ever taught is really how to take care of ourselves as well. And I think that this whole idea about the rules that we're following really underpins that. Yeah. And I think that's the first big thing to like dig out is like, what are the rules that I'm following and am I actively choosing them or have they been like downloaded into my brain and it's just like automatic programming. And so what I was sharing with you is like a recent change that I've had to make like a a hard conversation and a big decision. And it really came down to kind of a new mantra, new rule that I've set in my own life. That is, it says my life, my rules. Mm -hmm. Because I was feeling like the pressure to continue to do this thing that I've committed to, but yet life has dramatically changed with COVID and homeschooling and three kids that are getting bigger and a crazy harvest season right now. And I kind of relate to you and I want to relate to our audience today. Like it hasn't gotten easier. It's just different than five, 10 years ago on this journey. How would you relate to that? Yeah. You know, I was thinking, I was kind of reflecting back to, I kind of consider my life in different phases. And one of my more recent phases was what I consider to be the pre-coaching and the post-coaching phase, sort of what my life was, you know, in terms of my medical career, sort of in between finishing my residency and fellowship training around eight years ago, and sort of the first seven years, you know, of my professional medical practice, which was sort of my pre-coaching experience before I was really introduced to this entire field and its tools and kind of what its impact could be, you know, on me, both as a person and a physician and now an entrepreneur. And I was thinking back to the point at which I was the most unhappy in my medical career, a couple of years into private practice, and really trying now to understand and, and deconstruct, you know, what was it specifically that, that was really underlying that for me? And 
it just became so clear to me. There were so many rules that I was holding myself to that were not helpful for me at all, but I didn't even realize at the time that these were completely arbitrary and self-imposed and were very much the cause of so much of sort of my distress and, and, you know, just how unhappy I was. And I, I think about us as medical trainees and some of these messages that are passed down to us that seem even on the surface, like so noble and so logical, but are the ones that I really think contribute to so much physician distress now, you know, just things about like, even just a rule. I remember one that I had, maybe you can relate to this as well. I just remember this really strongly, just having this rule that essentially, (laughs) if I ever got sick, which I, you know, sometimes do as a human being that I had this internalized rule that like, unless I was sick enough to require hospitalization, I was not sick enough to stay home from work. Like I actually considered it to be incredibly unprofessional to just quote unquote, call in sick. Like to me, that just was not justified that, you know, if you're serious about your job, if you're serious about, you know, taking care of people and and being a medical professional, that there was really no room to do something like call in sick. And it astounds me now because I think about how ridiculous that sounds. And yet it was such a rigid rule for me. And I can remember, I mean, literally just all the times, you know, I went into work that I probably shouldn't have because my rule was that, no, this is, it's unprofessional for me to stay home and take care of myself. You know, and that's just one tiny example. Woman, you are talking to the resident who was in labor while she saw her last three patients. Right. And and honestly, I I have to believe that that is unfortunately a very 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 common type of experience. You know, I I think as well, you know, I I worked up until the day before, you know, I gave birth to our first child and and I'm thinking about I mean, I have vivid memories of like the worst case of food poisoning I have ever, ever, ever had. I mean, I had to take Zofran just so I could keep water down. And you better believe I didn't miss a minute of work for that. You know, I think I had the luxury as as a pathologist, you know, I wasn't patient facing. I wasn't, you know, exposing, you know, patients to anything that I might have. So I would basically just sequester myself in my office, you know, when I wasn't feeling well, I had the luxury of doing that, but it really made it so it, so that I thought I had, there's, there's even less excuse to ever call in sick. And I think so many of us, you know, can relate to these just really kind of outrageous rules about what it means or takes to be a professional or to take your job seriously as a physician. Mm, I want to like throw some of these around because I think we could probably come up with some that people are thinking of. So one rule that I can think of that really permeated my life for so long is that all patients lie. So it's my responsibility to find the truth. Mm, and what did that do for you and like your relationship with your patients? I'm really curious. Yeah, because I mean, isn't that totally confrontational <laughs> yeah. rather than healing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember I remember doing an ER rotation. I think I, I might have been a student. I don't know if I was a resident yet, but like being told like you've got to get to the bottom of the story. And now I look at it and I'm so glad that I don't practice medicine like that. And we wonder why like we have such health disparities for people of color Absolutely. and like pain issues. Because if that is the our rules, if that is our training, then of course we can't feel other people's pain. It's amazing. Another rule as you were talking that I could think of besides the like don't call in sick because <laughs> then that means you're lazy. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> 
is the it was a big rule for me was if I don't work full time, then I'm not a real doctor. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I think I definitely had that one too. And for me, I think a lot of the rules I had were sort of extensions of that because I remember, you know, I had joined a small physician owned private practice that was partnership track where for a number of years you were, you know, the quote unquote junior, you know, colleague in the group. And so I had all sorts of internalized rules then about what it meant to be the junior and what it meant to perform in a private practice where you were working towards, you know, partnership. And I had rules like I had to be the first one in every single day and the last one out every single night or else I wasn't taking it seriously. I had rules that if I wasn't signing out more cases than all of the senior partners were that I wasn't working hard enough. Um, I had rules that if I wasn't there at least one day on the weekend, then I wasn't working hard enough. If I wasn't bringing in more revenue than every other, absolutely every other junior in the group, that that was unacceptable for me. If I wasn't, you know, working quote unquote harder, you know, than all the other juniors, but even you know harder than the partners. I mean, I had so many rules about what I thought it meant for me to be pulling my weight or for me to be contributing. And, you know, I think what's interesting is to look back and say, but where, where did those rules even come from? I mean, I was literally, I was never handed a piece of paper by the partners that said, oh, FYI, we expect, you know, all of these things from you. I mean, they were completely fabricated rules in my own brain and they made so much sense to me. And I labored for years under those rules and the consequences of those rules, because it wasn't easy for me to hold myself to those standards whatsoever. And yet I never for a moment stopped and really questioned, wait a minute, like, where did these things come from? You know, I mean, it never occurred to me to question that at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the rules I just thought of that I wrote down were, if I don't get my notes done, then I'm not a good doctor. If I quit medicine without paying off my student loans, then I'm wasting my education. And you're not a good doctor unless you see all the patients. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I agree. I had other rules too, you know, when I did consider finally, you know, stepping away from medicine. I mean, that is, let's be honest, most of it's us. Like, it's like the page turns and there's a new set of rules. I know. <laughs> it was like, none of us had that day in residency training. They were like, oh, by the way, if you decide to not practice until traditional retirement, you know, this is kind of what it's going to look like. I mean, it's just totally unspoken, right? So I think especially for those of us, and and this was true for me, you know, medicine was the only thing I ever imagined doing when I was growing up. It wasn't a flippant decision, you know, to go into, into medicine. And so for those of us, I think, who do leave our medical training and our sort of self-expectation is, like you said, I'm going to work full-time. I'm going to work full-time until traditional retirement age, you know, to then be faced with opportunities or decisions about either maybe I don't want to work full-time. Maybe I want to take a sabbatical. Maybe I want to step away from clinical medicine, or maybe I want to step away from medicine entirely. You know, that, that really shakes some of these foundational rules that I think, you know, we're exposed to as we go through training. And I mean, you know, I did my residency and fellowship at a very sort of, you know, traditional, prestigious, you know, East Coast University, you know, medical system. And, and I remember even, even my going into a private practice and not staying in academics, I felt like was really challenging a major rule that my institution had. I mean, it wasn't even spoken of that we could consider going into private practice. It was just assumed we were all going to stay in academics. So the fact that I 
didn't quote unquote follow that rule, like I was already a black sheep from like the very beginning, you know, of, of my med- my medical career. So I want to hear your thoughts on how to dig into these rules because we all, we all have them. I mean, we yeah. all have like a pathological rule book, even in the years of me doing coaching and, and personal development, like I still have pathological rules. I know that I do. And I will until the day that I die. But what would be your coaching philosophy, your thought process, or how you work with people through these rules? And then what we'll do is we'll talk about like building in new rules or, you know, reshaping. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first place to start is truly uncovering what they are, because I think so many of these rules for us are subconscious. We're not like running around sort of even acknowledging or recognizing that so many of our actions or decisions are being driven by these rules. And so I think the first task slash opportunity slash challenge is just to become aware of what are all of my own or some of my own specific rules that are determining how I'm living right now. And I think a helpful way to kind of get to the bottom of that is to just ask yourself in any specific area of your life, whether it's your role as a partner or your role as a parent, if you are one, or your role as a physician, right? Is just to ask yourself, like, what are all my shoulds? Like, I think anything that comes up, an idea that like, I should X, Y, Z, right? Like I should work full time or I should work outside the home or inside the home, whatever the should is, I think that's a really good indication that there's a rule there. And that doesn't mean that it's a rule that you don't want to hang on to, but this is just the phase in in uncovering what are these rules that are dictating the way that I'm showing up in this environment or the way that I'm choosing to live my life right now. Another way how I tell my clients is like, what feels like absolute fundamental truth, like Mm -hmm. unshakable type of things because at that then you'll find like the basement of a lot of those rules and like I said it may be something that that's what continues with you for your full life but it also gives you the opportunity to like hold it loosely in your hand and be like but do I want to live by this set of rules yeah absolutely I agree with you because that's been one of my struggles is like first uncovering those rules to deciding like do I want this? Is this serving me? Or is this like some bullshit download that got put into my computer brain? And then comes like the really hard work. That next part of digging it out and reframing it or challenging it or showing up in a different way so that that rule is no longer valid. Tell me a little bit about how you've, because I mean, we both, we listed all of our rules. Tell me how you approached those and and did that. Yeah, I think the thing that I like to do is once I'm actually aware, like I said, of what what is the rule that's sort of functioning in the background is I then go through a phase where I call it before I make any big decisions, like, do I want to do this thing or not do this thing? I just go through a phase of just willingly questioning my rule in a couple of different ways, just so I get a better understanding of how is this playing out in my life right now? And is this something that I want to hang on to? So I have a couple of favorite questions that I ask myself about my rules once I've figured them out. And I'll tell you what a couple of them are. So first of all, I always like to ask myself, like, who decided that? Like, just where did this rule come from? Is this something I completely arbitrarily made up? Is this something I can remember being told by someone, like an authority figure at some point? Is this just sort of something that seems like everybody in my professional field or whoever agrees on? Just where the hell did this rule come from? Right? Like, where did I learn this? Sometimes I just ask myself, 
why should I do that? You know, for those should statements, like I, I should just be the first doctor in the door in the morning and the last one out at night. Why? And really understanding what is my specific reason? Because so many of us are carrying around these rules and the rule makes sense to us, but we don't, we're not even clear about what our specific reason for creating or following that rule even is. I like asking myself too, sometimes what is following this rule costing me? Because we all do the things we do because we think they're important. We think they're benefiting us. But when we're able to be honest with ourselves and just ask, what if anything is following this rule costing me? I think it really helps us to understand where are the areas in, in which maybe I'm not fully aligned with my priorities or my values. You know, and it can become really clear when we ask ourselves that question. And then the two sort of related questions I also like to ask myself is just what's the worst thing? that would happen if I started breaking this rule? And what's the best thing that would happen if I started to break this rule? So I find personally for me and for the clients that I work with, it's really helpful once we understand just what our actual specific rules are to be willing to go through and just really explore them in this way. So we're not putting pressure on ourselves yet to kind of do anything different or decide anything different, but it just allows us to get really, really clear about where did these things come from and how are they actually functioning, serving or not serving me in my life right now? I think it's so important. And something you said before the recording is like understanding the rule of should, but then definitely understanding the why. And like, are you in love with your why? Why this rule is in place? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, something that I sometimes run through as well is this exercise where I ask myself that exact question, I'll ask someone else that exact question, just why am I doing this? Or why am I doing this this way? And then I make two columns and one column says, I'm doing this for, and I try to identify, why am I doing this? Am I doing this for love? Am I doing this for approval? Am I doing this for connection? Am I doing this for validation? And then the other column, so that's why am I doing this? It's four is the first column. And then the second column is from, So am I doing this from love or from generosity? Am I doing this from kindness or am I doing this from obligation? I get really clear about what am I doing this for and what am I doing this from? And that really also helps me distill down sort of that more fundamental question of, do I love my reason for having this rule? Yeah, which I think is is so important to help unroot the rule. Because like, mm-hmm. it's not just as easy of like, oh, I'm just going to think a different, I'm just going to think a different way and it's just going to play out different. No, 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 not at all. Like you, you do, you have to get down to that very, very granular level of what mm-hmm. am I doing this for and what am I doing and where am I doing this from? Because if you just try to change the rule of I'm only a good doctor if I'm a full-time doctor in the office. Like it feels super shaky. Yeah. Especially I think, you know, medicine is one of those fields and I I do think it's starting to change, but traditionally it's a field that in which conformity is very much celebrated. It's not a field, at least in my opinion, where traditionally, you know, the nonconformists have really been embraced. And so again, I do think that is starting to change, but until they make a shit ton of money or they come up with some kind of intervention. Right. 
<laughs> right, exactly. But, you know, I mean, we have things like standard of care for a reason. You know, it's like, I'm not saying that, you know, we all want to be these mavericks who just, you know, totally discard things like standard of care. And I think especially when it does come to being a quote unquote nonconformist and that, yes, not working full time or taking a sabbatical or stepping away, you know, from medicine or a sick day. Exactly. Yeah. Taking a freaking sick day, right? I mean, again, for me, that I would have felt like my entire world was crashing down if I had actually done that, you know, when I was still in clinical practice. But then if you are going to start questioning or breaking what feels like a fundamental rule is understanding it's not going to feel amazing. Even when you love your reason, when you're very clear about your reason for why you want to quote unquote, break a rule, even then that doesn't make it easy or simple to do so. And so having that really strong, compelling, you know, individual authentic reason why you're doing what you're doing, you need that in order to be able, you know, really tolerate the discomfort that does come along with breaking rules. I think it's great. I wrote that down as number three. It's not going to feel amazing. <laughs> it's not. So if it feels like crap, you're probably doing it right. Honestly. I mean, so many, so many of us are like, well, I made this decision, but it's really effing scary or I still have insecurity. So that must mean it's not the right decision. It's like, no, it does still mean it's the right decision, but this is part of what you're, what you're, you know, paying for. This is part of the the price to get what it is that you want. It doesn't mean anything's gone wrong, but don't be surprised when it's there. Yeah, absolutely. So looking at our shoulds, questioning all over the place, reminding ourselves that it's not going to feel amazing. Mm-hmm. Then what? Then what? You know, I think at that point is really having your own back. And what I mean by that is that once you're clear about what it is that you do actually want, once you're really clear about what your reasons are for that and the reasons that you like that matter to you is understanding that when you do start breaking some rules, even if they're just your own little internal rules, I'm not even talking about huge rules like retiring from medicine when you're 40. I mean, you start breaking a little rule like I'm not going to chart for my 15 minute lunch. I mean, that's going to feel, like I said, that's going to be a huge departure and it's going to be very uncomfortable for you. So even once you've made that decision, the piece about having your own back to me means that you're willing to remind yourself, this isn't a mistake. I love my reasons for breaking whatever rule I'm breaking and I'm not going to tear myself down for any of my decisions. Yeah, I think that's so important. The practice of self-compassion is so, 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 so vitally important. I think that is the antidote to so many things, to maladaptive perfectionism, to imposter syndrome, to burnout. It is. It's learning to have our own back to say like, hey, this is hard. And you know what? Everybody experiences it and you're not doing anything wrong. And in this moment, I can have compassion. I can have whatever I need right now. And it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, part of the reason why I'm such an enormous fan of you and your work and everyone who's working, you know, sort of the physician, you know, wellness space in general is that I think it is so critically important to normalize these types of discussions because the more that people can see that they are not alone in in any one particular way, shape, or form, the more people can see examples, right, of the quote-unquote nonconformists, of people who are willing to challenge any little rule that it is, and they live, they survive to tell the tale, and in many, you know, many times they come out stronger and they're thriving on the other end. I think it just really increases our capacity as human beings to see what is possible and 
to really understand that even when you are a physician, even when you have put in 20, 30 years of education, training, you know, and, and professional work, that you are never locked into doing one thing one way for the rest of your life. And being able to hear from and and to see examples of of other people, you know, who've walked kind of these similar paths before, I think it's just so tremendously helpful. Yeah, preach it. I mean, I think that's the important thing about then like installing new rules is like the evidences of like, if she can do it, I can do it. Yeah, absolutely. And giving yourself that permission to say like, this is what's serving me today. And I have permission to change that at any second. Yeah. And, and I think I will just say, you know, I think that that is particularly challenging for women. You know, I think we are socialized, you know, as we are growing up that our, you know, worth is really placed on external validation that we measure our own worth. We, we measure our own worthiness by how happy other people are with us or how much other people approve of us. And I think that that's only cemented when we go through the medical education process, which is so hierarchical and so rule-based and so performance-based where we have to show up and perform in so many different ways in order to, you know, gain approval and validation and being willing, you know, to just see that for what it is, I think it is one of the primary challenges that we have. And, and just seeing that, you know, it's going to take sort of challenging that paradigm if we do want to start stepping out into different areas. Mm-hmm. I think so. And yeah, and having those those people who are before us who have challenged the paradigm and been like, okay, because I think that's what it comes down to a lot of time when you start challenging your rules is you step outside of the zone of safety that you have built for yourself because that's what rules are. They it's it's things that you have put in place to say like if we stay within the lines, the lines are our friends. We will be safe. Yeah, absolutely. And so by breaking those down, it's huge. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like we kind of were saying before, you know, that's the place when we step out of, you know, the safety zone, we step into discomfort. That's only to be expected, right? And that doesn't mean that something has gone terribly wrong. And I'm kind of reminded, Aaron, I don't know if you've read this book. I'm gonna hold it up for you, but I'll tell since no one else show notes too. Yeah, can actually see us as we're on our camera here. You know, this is a recommendation that I have that I read recently. It's it's a really fantastic book. It's called Break. The Good Girl Myth, and it's by Maria Malfino. And she talks about sort of this idea about how women have been socialized to be quote unquote good instead of powerful. And she looks at really like five key ways that women are really kind of socialized to show up as quote unquote good girls. And one of the things that she looks at that I think is really relevant to the conversation that we're having right now is what she calls the myth of rules, which is how women are socialized you know, to follow external rules and authority instead of trusting their own desires and needs and opinions. And I think that this is, you know, very much played out, you know, in in medical education and training. And she talks about why this is so dangerous to just sort of absorb and follow rules without ever questioning them. Again, we don't necessarily have to break any rule we don't want to, but just to blindly kind of follow rules that are given to us. And she has this really great part where she says that doing this, following, you know, all of these rules, it it makes us delay our dreams and look to others instead of ourselves to tell us what to do. It keeps us policing ourselves, convincing ourselves that we couldn't possibly or that our dream or idea is simply ridiculous and that we'd better keep dancing to the same old beat of society's drum. 
It forces us to wait for someone else to give us the green light, discover us and recognize us for our hard work. It tells us we're not expert enough because we keep defining expertise the way a specific industry or system does. The myth of rules keeps us in our schoolgirl days when we waited on our parents and teachers for guidance. And she does a lot more exploration. And I think it's just really interesting and helpful. But I, I think it speaks, you know, to this idea that when we're following rules really unquestioningly, I think it's critical to ask, you know, who does this benefit? You know, does this benefit us or does it benefit someone else or both? And in what ways? And and I think it really helps us to understand, you know, the decisions we're making and the consequences of those decisions. I think that is a great question to end on because I come to come to the call with so many women who are just so downtrodden. And and at the end of the day, who does it benefit? Everyone else except them. Yeah, absolutely. And then at least when we're able to ask again, when we're willing to ask ourselves these questions, it's the answers that are really then the path for us to start making decisions on purpose, right? Like we don't need to beat ourselves up for it. We don't need to be, you know, really down about it if we don't want to be, but this is really the key towards starting to make really deliberate decisions that end up benefiting us such that then we can benefit our own lives and those around us even more. Mm. Well, my friend, Dr. Devin Gimbel, it is always amazing to talk to you. I'm hoping I can keep you around and we'll do a little bit Patreon exclusive afterwards. But thank you so much for coming on, for always being a light in my life and sharing with the Dr. Me First community. Same here. It is always an absolute honor and pleasure to share some time with you and to your listeners as well. Um, I couldn't love you anymore. So thank you so much for having me on today. Hey guys, I want to tell you a little bit about my free upcoming masterclass. It's all about helping you to ditch burnout and bring your badass self back. So what I'm doing is the last Sunday of every month at 2 p.m. Eastern time, we are all logging on with the theme to be happy now, rediscovering your inner badass, because I want that for you. So have you caught yourself thinking, I have to keep working, my job is too good to quit, maybe it's just me. I need another vacation. Everybody else looks fine. I shouldn't feel sad, anxious, and empty. And seriously, I am so fucking tired. If you have thought any of this, it's time to make a change, my friend, because there's so much more out there for you. And I would love, love, love to meet you in person on Zoom and talk about topics, why I think super achieving female physicians get stuck how to start regaining more clarity in your current situation and what you really want and walk away with some real tangible next steps to help yourself move forward in a life of sustainability, purpose, and joy. Because really, why stay stuck? Move out of the place of burnout, exhaustion, and despair and towards a life and work that you truly absolutely fucking love. And I think it's just so great to be able to be in an opportunity now that you can come on the podcast and learn these things, but also to do it in a live event. So what you can expect from the masterclass is community, 
I'm going to be there. I don't know who else will, but that's okay. We're going to meet together on Zoom. We're going to engage for an hour. We're going to talk. We're going to learn. We're going to ask questions. And you are going to get support. You're going to have an opportunity to to talk as well, to ask any questions, all from the comfort of your own home on a Sunday afternoon with the dress code that is messy hair, don't care. So come in your yoga pants, come in whatever. You're going to be great. And I am just loving having you. So again, not only do you get free live coaching with me, you get a little bit of homework, you get answers to some of your questions, and you get to meet other people who are in the same situation and ready to support each other. So click the link in the show notes so that you can get signed up for the free masterclass because I send you some pretty fun bomb ass emails ahead of time to make you giggle and also so you can get the Zoom link. And I can't wait to see you there. I don't know how long I'll keep these going, but they've been a lot of fun every month and I would love love, love to meet every single one of you. So good, right? All right. Well, this kick of encouragement, I want to talk about self-compassion. And I want to ask you a few questions. This has been a question full full of questions episode. But anyway, we're going to keep the trend going. All right. So self-compassion, some people would sub that word out for self-love. You use whatever you like the best. I like self-compassion. But what if we openly embraced a feeling of self-love? What if you loved yourself because you could fully understand yourself? Or you loved yourself as the most committed partner that you possibly could have? What if that was yours, that you did that for you? Would that change the relationship that you have with you, your mind, your body, your essence? I know it would for me. I know it has for me. If I really think about self-compassion and self-love as being the most committed partner that I can be to myself, it changes the relationship. What have you thought about showing yourself love any way that you could? And even when you screw it up, remembering to be sweet and gentle to yourself. Because for too long, we've made our like proverbial selves sleep on the couch or maybe even in the doghouse, right? But think about that dynamic change. If we really leaned into that, And why I bring this up in a conversation talking about rules, I think it's really easy to beat up on our old selves. Like, how could we believe that? How could we let ourselves get trapped in these type of rules? Why didn't we see like that we were getting entrenched and ingrained with just these wrong ideas? So instead, what I want you to do is just try on a little self-love, a little self-compassion and know that it's actually probably the more healthy way instead of self-loathing and self-deprecation. So I want to challenge you with homework today. What is something that you could do for yourself, being the most committed partner that you can and showing love to yourself any way that you can, even if you're going to screw it up, that's fine. But what, what could you do for yourself today? As always, remember your life, your calling, your pulse matters.
Turn up the dance. 